Hey, it's Sean Fennessy, one of the hosts of the Prestige TV podcast. HBO's Barry is back for a fourth and final season. And that means I'll be back recapping the show with co-creator and star Bill Hader to dive deep on the themes, scenes, and major moments in the series. Bill will provide insight into how every episode was made and why it's ending. New Prestige TV Barry recaps will go live every Sunday night when the episode ends. So make sure you're subscribed to the Prestige TV podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Poppin', Logan Murdoch here, Raja Bell there. Raja, I'm geeked. I'm geeked. I'm ready to fucking pod. How you doing, man? I'm ready to go, though. I'm ready to fucking go. I mean, your your energy is enough for both of us, Logan. I'm, let's let's go. Uh, bro, okay, let's get to the shits. Okay, we'll talk about your weekend another time. We're going to talk about <laughs> fucking Warriors Kings. <laughs> the game of the postseason. <laughs> game <Right>. four. <laughs> the Warriors want a nail-biter off a... Harrison Barn miss. This game had everything. It had technical fouls. It had coming of age stories from one team. It had survival from another team. Um, it had it, it had just about everything. And I, I, I'm still coming down from it. The energy and chase yesterday was amazing. Raw um, Warriors pulled it out um, after a miss at the buzzer from one Harrison Barnes. That is always going that play right there the, the play that that ended it is always going to be etched into my mind because of all the ramifications that would have come out after Harrison Barnes if he would have made that shot right all the things that we could have talked about that are null and void at this point because he missed that shot and we'll get into all the things of what happened down the stretch and all those things but I can't it's it's interesting, Raja, how a game can come down to one shot and specifically with Harrison, his former team and a fan base that kind of has a weird relationship with him. He could have did it in front of an uh, uh, owner in jail, Lacob, who has perpetually had him messed up all the way 
ever since he got him out of the got him out of, off of the team, um, obviously for Kevin Durant. But there were just so many storylines in that one shot, and I kind of felt for Harrison in that moment. But those are the breaks, Raja. Great game all the way around. What were your thoughts on the game? Um, that, yeah, no, that was a fantastic watch of a game. It made me feel like I wanted to be at the game, and very few games make me feel like that. I'm usually content watching them at the crib, but that one and the energy that was in there, I was, I would have liked to have been in the arena to watch that. Um, the up and down that it was, um, was, was, was super fun to watch some of the, you know, I, I even appreciated in a, in a weird way. And I normally don't say this, the refereeing in that game, I thought they kind of swallowed the whistles late and just let them cats get after it. Like you saw multiple guys, there was a lot of physicality stuff that quite frankly, was a foul that they were just like, hey man, we're we're gonna let y'all figure it out. Play. I, I liked I like that. Yeah, I like that about the game. Um, it was a matter of I think one team, and I it, you know I, I hate to boil it down and try to make it sound like it's 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 as it's as simple as one team's just a little bit more experienced because because. Because it's it's not that simple. It's more nuanced than that. But I think as it came down the stretch, you saw a team, one team executed just a little bit more cleanly than the other one did. And, you know, save for Steph making that huge mistake, which, which you know, that's experience. Um, uh, that was just a, a, a brain fart. But, but save for that, I thought they executed and got off some clean looks in a way that Sacramento just didn't execute the same way down the stretch. And it just was a, a, a small separator. And that's all it took. Well, you know, that that Steph, you bring up a great point in terms of uh just executing down the stretch. I gotta think like if all of all of these all of those things that happened to the Warriors down the stretch happened to the Kings, I think that they, the Warriors are blowing them out and that's the down the stretch. If you talk about the timeout and you talk about the the missed shots and just the the the, the uh, defensive stops, if you were to switch it and the Kings made all those mistakes. I can't see the Kings getting it to a one-point game, a one-point lead with that much time left, right? And that speaks to experience. That speaks to uh, – there were a lot of things that happened with the Warriors down the stretch of that game where uh, any other team would have kind of folded. Uh, any other team in, would have folded. You talk about the the technical foul on Jordan Poole who, who has not been playing well this series. You talk about um, the timeout. You talk about – even like having your best player or one of your best players suspended for a game, right? The Warriors, have, even in their mistakes, have shown that experience um, can win out. Are I want to get to the Kings in a second because we have a lot to discuss with the Kings, but are the Warriors playing with? <laughs> are they playing with fire here? Because they haven't. They they've been very sloppy with the basketball throughout this series. It's a it's damn near a minor miracle that they're tied this series 2-2. I mean, other than the the game three, which was a decisive win, they have been playing in spots really bad basketball and have just, just sheer experience and being at home, they have won games. What is the, as we go into game five, what do the Warriors need to do in terms of making sure that they are locked in throughout the whole game? How do they need to approach game five, which is the first swing game? The playoffs have really started. This is the first swing game. This is when we kind of see what these teams are made of. What do the Warriors need to do going into game five from a strategic standpoint? 
Yeah, I don't know, Logan, but they, they're always going to be a, a risk versus reward, turnover versus assist or brilliant offensive play type of team, right? Like they take big swings offensively. There's a lot of movement. There's a lot of ball movement. There's a lot of um, reading involved in, in, in what they're doing, right? Like I've got the ball. We're running split action. You know, I'm reading what you're doing and what the defense is doing, and then I'm trying to almost lead you into the play with the ball. There, there are going to be turnovers in that. Like you have to live with it. Now, that late turnover, Jordan Poole, like we got the ball up. I don't know where we up six. I am saying we like I'm Golden State, but I don't know. Golden State was up five or something like that. And we got it. Um, you know, we're about to go play five on four. You see, you see uh Steve Kerr and Draymond both motioning, let's run, let's run. And you throw that diagonal full court pass and Malik Monk steals it and they get the quick, easy bucket on. We have to get rid of those. Do you know what I mean? Like the the giveaway balls we have to get rid of. The, but the ones that, that, that happen out of our action and we've made a uh, a read and someone gets a hand on it or makes a good play or it's just a miscommunication, you're going to have to live with some of those if you're Golden State in the way you play. But the giveaway balls we have to get rid of. Just throwing that shit to the other team out in space. Um, we we got to get rid of those. And, and you know, I think the game plan for Golden State is if we can get something really good out in transition, um, obviously we take that, right? Like that, we are a transition team too. We like to play with pace, but where they've at times been better than Sacramento is when they when they can get into their stuff and just make them guard multiple actions and and make you know make those defenders. You saw you saw two plays like late in that game. Um, down the stretch where when I talk about executing, so this is a, 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 a check mark in terms of proper execution on, on golden state. But, but more so than that, it was just a, an X in terms of poor execution for Sacramento in their defensive assignment. Steph Curry hits a big three. Um, um, you know, they go under, they go under, like he kicks the ball to the right wing and, and Stan, Darren Fox chooses to like, go not on ball side of the screen with the cutter. So he essentially gets face cut and Steph just stops and pops a three on the other side of the screen. De'Aaron Fox jumps all the way around the screen to try to catch him on the other side. And you can't do that with Steph. You have to stay attached. And then similarly, but with a different type of screen, this is like now on a, on a stagger, a high stagger, you've got Clay Thompson coming up high around the three point line and Malik Monk decides he wants to shoot the gap and not lock and trail. And now Steph just stops and De'Aaron Fox, I mean, not, I'm sorry, but uh, Malik Monk was a fingertip away from stealing that ball, but you didn't. And now Clay splashed another one. And so, you know, again, push, push tempo, be cleaner with the basketball, but also make them have to guard you because they have had lapses, Sacramento, that is, in terms of their execution at times. At times, they've been really, really good. And then, you know, down the stretch... It was a combination of proper execution from Golden State at times and a lack of execution defensively from Sacramento at times. The, it, the, one of the narratives, you talked about guarding Steph. One of the narratives this this series has just been how, I mean, obviously how hard it is to guard Steph, but how hard it is from a conditioning standpoint to guard a guy like that. Yeah. Can you put into words how hard that is? I don't, and I think there's, a, the, the comp is, is a Rip Hamilton type, right? Or a Reggie Miller, like where you're just going to have to have your win together. But Steph is a bit different because he's just so shifty and in, in, in a way that that I don't, in a way that Rip and, and Reggie weren't. Like he's he's in a guy that can that can just move directions. And I think he might be a little bit faster than both of those guys. How do you, how do you put into words how difficult that task is? 
Well, I don't know if he's faster than Ray and Rip. Um, I don't. I don't know. He'd be more shifty. Shifty, I think, might have been but the yeah, word what that, he, I, that I'm thinking. Yeah, you, what he has the ability to do is is handle the ball and and be equally as dangerous off the bounce. Those guys. I mean, Ray did it a little bit in his younger years, like he had it more on the bounce. But you know, you weren't going to be up top with Rip and 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 Reggie like dancing on you as much as you'll have to do that with Steph. You know, so what makes him. I mean, there's all everything makes him really hard to guard. And to answer your question in terms of what it conditioning wise looks like guarding him, I mean, you got to be in shape to run a marathon. Like you, 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 you really would have to say, "Hey, man, can you run a marathon right now?" Yeah, I can do that. Like I might not do it in a great time, but yes, I can run without stopping for for this long because he he just doesn't stop, and you have to chase him, you know, all around the floor. Um, He's more dangerous when he moves it. Most most defenders' natural inclination when the ball, I try to teach young kids this, like w- w- most people's first inclination when when they're guarding the person with the ball and that person throws it to someone else is to fractionally let up. Yeah. And with Steph and guys like that, it's human nature. So they're gone. And now you're like, oh shit, I don't, where'd he go? And now you're behind him and it's just causing chaos. So you have to be locked in at all times. And- and while I'm telling you how much of a physical toll it takes guarding him, like the the emotional energy and bandwidth to stay on assignment and stay locked in, I can't put that into words. There's no context that I could give you to like to show you what that's like. It is exhausting knowing that, damn it, like I can't ever not be locked into this assignment because if I'm not, just for a split second, he hit me in the face with a three. And you saw it. Like, you know, those dudes would do everything right. Davion Mitchell is guarding the shit out of Steph, man. He's but, had but, also but, just want to give a quick aside. Davion Mitchell's had a great series. Just all we'll talk about the Kings in a second, but I just want to highlight Davion Mitchell and that the he was giving Steph and it's one of those things where Steph is just winning out at this point because it's later in the series, right? But the first two, two and a half games, Davion Mitchell was in Steph's shit the whole time. And was not letting up, yeah. was not giving up, and also giving you some some points on the offensive end, right? Like he has been a tough basketball player. It's a tough defender on Steph. No, I have real respect for the job he's doing. And even, you know, yesterday at times, I'm not he wasn't stopping Steph necessarily. Steph had 30 and change, but you're making him work. Sometimes as a defender, what I have to say is, man, did I make that man earn that? You know, and and, and, and like sometimes that's all you can take away from that. Like, yo, good O is going to be good D every day of the week. You go into any pickup game and, you know, in the summertime with pros and their cats playing real solid defense and shot makers make shots. So, you know, you just do your best to try to get them off of a spot or make it real difficult and make them earn it. Um, and I thought he did that. Here's the last thing about Steph when you talk about the shape that he's in. So you got to be in this great um anaerobic or aerobic shape. I don't know which one is which, but you got to be able to chase. You got to have the lungs and the legs to do that. Right. You got to be mentally tough as hell and locked in like with a concentration level that I can't explain. The last part about Steph, what I really appreciate about Steph right now is he dictates physicality more now than he ever did. Like Mm. he was coming at Davion Mitchell's chest on a lot of those drives. Like he's stronger than he, than he's been. Um, He's more physical at times in the paint than I've seen him in the past. And so, you know, you add that on top of all of the rest of it and he becomes a, 
virtually unguardable dude, man. Yeah, it's 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 crazy just how many how much easier it is for him to get in a lane than it was a few years ago, right? Even like three, four years ago, it was not to say it was hard for him to get into the lane, but like he was he was falling down. Now he's just like he's. Mm, mm. In there, right? Like he's really he's taking on bigs now. He's it's 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 he's definitely gotten stronger. One of the other um things, at least from the Warriors' point of view, was Draymond Green. And he's coming off a suspension. In true Draymond fashion, six minutes into the first game after suspension, the motherfucker gets a technical foul. <laughs> which was which is which so is stupid. That's so stupid. That's so stupid. <laughs> I love Draymond, but I mean, I love Draymond, but that's that's so stupid. <laughs> okay, well, we'll tell us why, why. Like, 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 come on, man! Like, you can't, you come on, bro, bro. I and this is coming from a dude who's been kicked out of games and is emotionally really charged when he plays and is riding that fine line of being in the game and being of value to his team and then getting kicked out and costing his team a game. That's me. Bro, but actually, you can't come uh, right off a suspension and get a goddamn tech like that, Logan. I'm sorry. Hey, I asked him after the game. I'm like, so I said I preface it by saying it exactly how I said it to you. Like in the first, I didn't know it was the first quarter because it was just like after the game. So I, I knew it was first half. So I say first half of your first game after suspension, you get a technical. He doesn't even let me finish my question. He cuts me off and says, "That was beautiful, wasn't it?" That was beautiful. <laughs> and he said, he said and, his, and his response was, and I'm curious to hear your response to his response was, that was me sending a message that they're not going to uh, take me off my square. No suspension is going to take me out of my game. And I'm still here. And I'm still doing my shit. And I'm going to be me for forever. I'm going to do me forever. Was paraphrasing his response. Okay, well, good for you. I would just, I would just say that. I mean, again, bro, like I don't, I can like Draymond and not agree with everything he says, dog. Like that's, the, he, there were multiple times. See what you do in that situation, right? And I watched that closely. You get that first tech by getting into some shit with, with that you could walk away from, right? And now, the rest of the game, when when it's not even in your mind that you picked up that first stupid tech. And you're barking at everybody and you're yelling and you're taunting people after you make a play. Guess what you subject yourself to potentially uh, getting? Ejected. Another ejection. That, that second tech where you're like, wait, 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 wait. What happened? Because you picked up the dumb one in the first. And he had multiple times. I'm not lobbying for it at all. But if one of these refs are on a bad day and they get caught up in the heat of the moment, Draymond's got a lot of antics in his game. Like he is, he rode that line all night again. And it did not cost his team. So that's cool. But I would just say that at some point, while you certainly always want to be true to yourself, I live by that motto too. Um, sometimes you got to be smarter than that. So my question to you on that specific play, because I know you saw the play. How do you, if if he were to get his message across, how do you get your message across? And to just, I feel like there's a way you can get your message across and get out of there, right? You just say what you got to say you know, and walk do, away. Do you know how you like? Do you know how you do it, Logan? You do, you don't even have to. You do it by making the plays down the stretch that he made, man. Like, did you, you see do that fucking it by, block on Sabonis down the stretch? <laughs> you, 
that's how you do it. You don't, yeah. I don't know why everyone, I tell my young son, Ty, this shit. Why, why the hell do you feel like you have to tell someone after like about the play that you just made? The play speaks for itself. Yeah. Like everyone saw it. You don't have to run over in somebody's face and tell them how good the play was. Like, so to, the answer to your question is how do you get your point across? Just do it. Just hoop. And now in a different world where you're not coming off a of suspension and the stakes aren't as high as they are. And you're saying, yo, I'm, I, that's what I do, bro. Ain't nobody talking, man. I, you, you got to know that, that I get down with that, but yeah. Like these are different circumstances, bro. You can't afford to be that close to the line. We have to now err on the side of this imaginary line that we talk about walking as emotional players. You can't be toes on it now. I need you to be a foot away from it at all times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, because also those technicals add up too, right? Those technicals add up in the postseason. Like you don't you don't really think about that. But it's the same. It's the same amount. It's not the same amount as in the regular season. But if you keep getting those technicals, you can fuck around and get another suspension. Um, I want to talk about the Kings really quickly, and just honestly, how impressed I am with them throughout this whole series. Not only their game, but how much heart that that fucking team has, dude. Like no matter what happens mm -hmm. in this series, this team is going to be a team that is going to be reckoned with. Provided that they don't pull a Minnesota Timberwolves last year, right? Because that's still in play where you just where you're so excited about the season that you make a stupid trade to double down and make it in your eyes do a tight for a title run. No, they need to do exactly mm -hmm. what they're doing and keep on building on what they have. But what they have is really special, Roger. And I'm talking about they don't they have everything you'd want in a postseason team except the experience. And it starts with De'Aaron Fox. That man ain't backing down from nobody. He's out here. He is playing really well. And they have other guys, man, like Malik Monk and Kevin Herter. Uh, Keegan Murray, who's not had a good series, fucking came to play in game four, right? Like, it's yeah. just they got fighters on that team. Been really impressed with what I've seen from the Sacramento Kings, Raja. And they're going to be a force, I think, to be reckoned with in the years to come. I really do think that. Oh, I agree. I think um... – you know, they've showed well through four games. Now, you know, I'm sure they're not sitting exactly there where they want to be sitting right now, but but they have not backed down in any way. Those were two hard fought. You got to take this from us if you're Golden State type of wins at the Chase Center. And that's what, you, you know, look, sometimes, again, like I just said, what you got to do to people defensively is you, you got to beat me. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you beat me, I tip my hat to you and we'll take it back to the crib. But we're not going to come in here and beat ourselves and and just be... And they have not done that. They fought and scrapped for everything. And and for a young team that that ha is relatively inexperienced, like, that's been cool to watch. Now, what I'm looking for is how this pressure that will now flip to being on Sacramento, how that will affect their psyche. You know, like... On one hand, I'll tell you, like, if, you know, if Keegan Murray's playing like that, um, I don't imagine Herter has a poor game like that again. Like, you you, you know, there's some bright spots. There's some things if you're Sacramento, you say, hey, man, we're we're going back to the crib. We got another offensive weapon playing well now. Obviously, it's going to be electric when we go home, light the damn beam or whatever. They, you know, all of this is playing like in our favor. Like the beam, Roger. Show some respect. Like the beam. That's what I said. You said or whatever, but, man. I'm but, just saying, like, you know, come on. 
light the beam or whatever. But point the, <laughs> what what they haven't experienced yet, and it's a really weird thing. And 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 uh, you know, it it was always fascinating to me how a series and the complexion of it um, and the pressure associated with its swings, you know, from one end of the spectrum to the other in, in NBA series, like, you know, you could be down 2-0 and feeling like the world is against you and shit, we're in jeopardy of being swept and you are, and you get that one win back at the crib and you're like, no, we're fine. All we got to do is hold serve in game two, right? All we got to do is hold serve and we're back. And now that, that, pressure swings to the, a young Sacramento team that's been playing with house money and now it's on them because they got to win at home. Because if they don't win game Do you know five, it's mean? over. If they don't win game five, it's I, over. Well, I'm not saying that necessarily. You might be right, but what, what I'm saying is that's the feeling of that shit. Like, what, well, yo, we cannot lose three in a row. We have to go home and get game five because you. if we think the pressure is is mounting now, if we go back to chase down two, three after being up oh two, like you know, it just continues to mount. And so, th- I think this is the first time in this series where I can say, "Yo, th- I think the pendulum of pressure has now swung to a young Sacramento team." And I can't tell you how they respond to that. I, I think, I think that their arena, um, along with oh, Chase and a few others, yeah, it is is uniquely able to help them navigate that. Not every arena has the same juice, right? We can agree to that, but their arena and the way they get down, I think can comfort them to a degree that lets them come out and play free. But, you know, you until you're in that situation where you could be tight and, you know, the, the pressure is high and you think you, you might be tight, like until you're in that, you don't know what how you're going to respond. It's interesting, like, this, we're finally in this series. It is a series now, right? Like, the first two games was vibes, right? Like, we're kicking ass. We're beating their ass. There's no pressure. We're playing with this house money. Game five, you have the Warriors' attention, right? You have the first big, big, big game at home all season. This is the biggest game of your of your season. It's going to be loud, and the Warriors are going to be looking to take that energy out early. So, I think if the Kings want to do it, they got to run them motherfuckers out the building. They got to do exactly what they get, did game one and two. Feed off of that crowd, hit them timely threes, and just and, and play with the vibes that you had in the first two games because it is about to be fucking electric. It's going <laughs> to be electric. Dog. Shit, it's hey, going to be different. Listen, if you, were, if you were Sacramento, shit was all good just a week ago. It was all good. We were out here. You know, it was all fun and games. Boys was out there. Hey, you know, Sac living was their talking best life. big shit. Sacramento Kings now, fans were talking big shit. Big shit. And look, I, I can dig it. You look good. You still look good. Um, Again, been in situations like this, man. Both on my team and seeing people on another team. Where you're in a situation. It happened with us in the Lakers. Where, hey, man, shit was all good just a week ago. Y'all was up 3-1 popping big shit mm. now 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 people are clawing back into the series and the 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 pressure is now swinging to you all and some people are built for that but the the cool the it's not cool but <laughs> the funny part within the game for me is to see the ones that are built for that looking at the ones who aren't like this motherfucker like bro come on man because all, all you're teams, doing we need you 
on all teams, there's at least one or no matter if it's bad or good teams, there's always two guys or two people that are built for it, right? There's that always are, two that are there, and there's always a couple that aren't. No, there's like no. Even on the bad teams, there's two that's built for it, and there's like ten that are not, and, and the the two that are like, what the fuck, man? But the Kings have yeah, yeah, people yeah. that have showed that they are built for it. De'Aaron Fox, who is the leader of the team, one thou wow, built for it. Yeah, Malik Monk built. No, for I trust. I trust. I trust some of them. Um, I'm not saying I don't, but what I'm saying to you is you haven't seen them in this situation. Right, so being built for it will be revealed afterwards. We don't know. Like I tend to think you're right. I tend to think they got cats that are built for it, and so therefore it'll be a knockdown dragout game five. But what I'm telling you is, I played with cats who I thought were built for it, and I played against cats who we were like, "Hey, man, this is going to be a war." And then you get out there and you're like, "Uh oh, oh, he don't want to be here." Oh, you can see that. I can see that in his face. He don't want no part. He's not ready. He's not, he doesn't want to play in this. And so if I'm Golden State, what I'm saying is, hey, man, look, we're going to come out and they are going to be riled up, electrified, hitting the bricks, like rolling. Let's just weather the first storm. Let's weather. Let's take the first punch. Let's feel the power. All right. And then let, let's just stay within striking distance. Now, obviously, if we can hop out, we'll hop out. But, you know, there's a good chance that they're going to have all the juice coming out. And so let's just stay attached. Let's just stay attached. And the deeper into that game that we stay attached, the deeper into that game that we're up one or down three or within striking distance, that pressure that I'm telling you and talking to you about starts to ratchet up even more. And so we'll just stay, stay, stay because we have that experience. We know what that's like, taking this thing all the way down to two minutes to go. Um, and now it becomes an execution game down the stretch. And we trust that we'll do that better than better than you. And so that's the game plan, dog. Like, let we will ratchet this up incrementally throughout the whole game. And then it, at the end, hope that it proves to be too much for some of them. What guy are you seeing on the Kings that that – that you're looking for, like, oh, they're probably going to have a big game. They're the ones that I that I trust in this one. That I that I'm like, okay, we're, they're going to be good. They're going to be fine. Who are you looking that is that is going to be that person? Well, I I do think that both um, De'Aaron Fox. I think De'Aaron Fox is fine. Um, I think Mal- Malik Monk should be fine. But there's there's some variance in his stuff, right? Like he can get he can be high and low. He's played well. Um, I think those two, I trust. I trust Harrison Barnes in his role. Now, you know, he didn't shoot it well last game, and and I don't know. Tough miss for Harrison. Oh, tough miss. miss. Um, And and then the like. I think I trust Sabonis. I think I trust Sabonis, but again, haven't seen you in this. So so I think those three are kind of solid for me. And then around the edges, like it's going to be interesting to see what Kevin Herter does. You know, it's yeah. going to be it's going to be interesting to see if Keegan Murray can can continue to shoot the ball well. I, I actually tend to think that coming off of the last game, he's going to shoot it well again. But we got to see. I that's one thing. I'm glad you brought him up, Sabonis. I want to see more from Sabonis. Right, ever since the like they he struggled at at parts of this series, and specifically when he was at Chase Center. Um, 
it's just been like you know the, he's been shooting the ball well, but his, his, if you look at the game, it's just been very pedestrian, right? He's he's at the top of the key, yeah. he's passing the ball off it. Kavon Looney has played really great defense on him, right? And out, he out rebounded uh, Sabonis in, the, in game three. Um, here's a line for you: two points and twenty rebounds, Raja, for Kavon Looney. There you go. Um, <laughs> and but I want to see Sabonis kind of take a bit more control and not be as passive, right? Like, yo, man, shoot that fucking jumper. They're leaving you wide open. Like, shoot the ball. I tried to explain this to someone the other day. We were at, we were at University of Florida with my son, and and uh, we were talking about what series were we talking about? I forget, but uh, a gentleman was saying to me, like, I don't understand. You know, if they leave you, if they leave you open like that, you know, that's disrespectful. You just you got to shoot that. And I'm and I'm and I agree to a certain point. But what I tried to explain to him was, and Avery Johnson used to do this to me. Um, he was the only, he was the only guy that did it, man, because it was really counterintuitive at the time because I shot the ball so well in those years with Phoenix. Um, Avery wouldn't play me. He would basically, in some games, just like dare me to shoot the ball. And I was a really confident shooter, but that played games with me. Like it played, I started playing games with myself in my own head. Like, wait a minute, what the fuck? What? Like, you know what I mean? And and so I see that in Sabonis a little bit. And what you have to do is just get to a point where you're like, yo, man, this is what I do. And I'm I'm gonna do it. Now I'm not saying you're gonna bait me into shooting it 30 times, but I'm certainly not gonna have any reservations when I feel like it about pulling because he's not even I'm, looking I'm at the rim at times, Raja. He's not even looking at. He the looks rim. confused. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I'm, like it's get the ball to the top of key. Okay, let me give this dribble handoff to one of these guards. Like, no, bro, you're fucking all star. Like, be an all star. Right. That's what I want to see out of Sabonis going into Game Five because it's or they. What were we gonna say? No, I was going to say, or, you know, everyone thinks you have to shoot that ball and you don't like if someone is going to give you that much space, just go ahead and eat the space up and get downhill at them. And, you know, what I've seen from Sabonis is he's got to be a little more crafty because like when he goes downhill and tries to eat that space up, his answer is to try to bulldoze you and, and they're traveling, doing a good job of catching he's him. like. Yep, or he or they're or yeah. they're, they're collapsing onto him, and or or they're just down. The Warriors are downward, just kicking his ass, like throwing him to the floor. And they're taking, <laughs> you know, they're taking charges on him. So, like, yep. just be a little bit more, you know, just have a little bit more uh, uh, savviness in there. But but you don't have to always just settle for the shot. Like, go ahead and drive it at Looney and those dudes, and 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 you know, uh, I don't. I, I haven't broken down the tape or have a great scout on it, but it just because they do that doesn't mean that you have to settle for the jumper all the time. There are other ways to be very aggressive and attack. Uh, it, it's really hard as a defender to be sitting seven feet off of someone. They now have a full head of steam at you and then be able to like kind of guard them. It just, yeah. you know, so like go ahead and put pressure on them. Yeah. <sighs> we're not going to, we're not going to, uh, see you guys until Thursday. So let's do predictions now. Who wins game five, Raja? Oh. oh. Mm. Um. I, I was fully prepared to come in here and say Sacramento. And then as I talk myself into it, but I'm going to stick with Sac. I'll say Sac wins. I say they like the beam in game, in game five. I haven't been right yet. So why be right now? <laughs> That's awesome. Yo, I'm fucking, I'm going to, hey, yo, I'm going up to Sac. For game, game five on Wednesday, it's going to be a fucking movie. It's going to be insane. 
It's gonna be great. Yeah. All that to say, I'm picking the Warriors. Who you got? Um, I got the Warriors. They were picking the Warriors. <laughs> picking the Warriors because you're too scared to do it for some reason. I don't know why, but um, it's fine. Um, let's take a quick break. We're gonna talk about refereeing. The NBA playoffs are here, and you can turn crossovers into cash with FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RingerNBA right now and place a $5 bet and you'll get an instant $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. Here are some exciting new bets that you'll only find on FanDuel. You can bet on the largest comeback, both teams to score in the first minute of the game, or the last bucket score. There's no better place to bet on all the playoff action in America's number one sports book. Just go to FanDuel.com slash RingerNBA and sign up to get $150 in bonus bets when you bet your first five bucks. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 years or older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com backslash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hope is here. Gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in New York. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT, Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. 1-800-522-4700 West Virginia. 1-800-522-4700 Wyoming. Or visit www.1800gambler.net West Virginia. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident. It was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. And we are back. We had some segments that we're going to get to later on in the program, but Roger came on the, the the chat and the Zoom or whatever you want to call this new concoction that we're using. Um, and he said, hey, do you guys want to talk about refereeing and suspensions and what the league is doing? And honestly, I don't even have any prep for this, Roger. What did you want to say? And we'll just go from there. No, What's going on? no, don't do that. I didn't <laughs> say, do you want to? I said, are we going to? Because it was a big story over the weekend and we hadn't potted. And so that's what I said. Now, 
I just told you in the last segment that I really appreciated the way that the Sacramento Golden State game was ref down the stretch. Um, third, fourth quarter, specifically, probably more specifically the fourth quarter. I appreciated that. So this isn't a bashing session on refs. I'm not here to do that. I think for the most part, it's been ref pretty, pretty well. I just, I, I, I thought that it's been covered a lot since it's happened and we haven't potted since then. It was the ejection of, of James Harden, the ejection of J- Dylan Brooks and the, the non-ejection of Joel Embiid. I, I thought all three of those were wrong. <laughs> oh, shit. Let's go I down, thought, let's go down the line. All three wrong. Let's go down the line. Well, one person kicked someone. Whether he connected or not, he took his leg for everyone to see absolutely undeniably kicked someone. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. The other two plays, if you've ever guarded someone, or you've ever been being guarded and your offhand is doing something, there is no real way to say definitively, hey, man, I'm about to hit him in his nuts. <laughs> or, hey, LeBron is, LeBron is going behind his back. Let me punch him in the balls. <laughs> like, that, that doesn't happen like that, man. So while it, while there were connections and like, I'm not saying that feels good or anything like that. I don't think either one of those was on purpose at all. And so I just felt like we didn't, we didn't get those right. I don't think those were gotten right. Like now someone kicked someone like literally kicked him and you got that one wrong too. This is what I will say. At least for the, the, uh, at least for the Dylan Brooks situation, Dylan Brooks just has not been low in anything that he's done. Like he just he can't he can't. Now I'm not even gonna say he can't catch a break because he brought it all all this shit on himself. But like after you talk all that, right? We I th- I think that the biggest thing right now is what we're seeing, especially with Joe Dumars, who is ahead of these these suspensions and these in these in these disciplinary things. Right? We are seeing right now, at least as a league. Your reputation is now more important than ever, than ever, right? Like you, and that's, and it's at least been influencing how the NBA doles out some sort of punishment, right? Going into the game, Dylan Brooks talked a lot of cash shit and all of us about one LeBron James. And then he goes in and hits him in the gonads. And for everyone to see. It doesn't even it, it doesn't even make sense, man. Like, do you think I, I, someone I, I, that's under that fine of a microscope is gonna throw a punch at someone's nuts in the middle of Staples Center in the first half of a bed? That doesn't even make sense. It do- no. It doesn't. But LeBron milked the shit out of that, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, good for you, LeBron. Hey, look, and and Dylan Brooks, he did bring it all on himself. Like, you know, you out there popping all of that and you weren't playing well and all of that. But again, I mean, I just don't, those, those two calls were really tough for me and maybe because, and I'll tell you a story maybe because, um, and, and when you say reputation is, 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 uh, more important now than it has ever been. I, I would disagree because I had an instance in Toronto, um, on a sleepy like Wednesday night where 
Andrea Bargnani was running at me kind of full speed and I was, it was in transition. And so I was in the paint waiting for Andrea Bargnani and I tried to meet him around the free throw line and try to stand him up so he couldn't bury me under the rim. And Andrea Bargnani came down with his 260, 270 and just ran me over. Boom. Right. And so I think I got the offensive foul play went on and we, and you know, we won, we get on the flight, we go home the next morning. I get a call from the NBA and the NBA says, Hey, uh, we're calling you about a play that happened with four minutes and 30 seconds to go in the second quarter in Toronto last night. It appears that you tried to kick Andre Bargnani in the, in the groin. And I honestly had no idea what they were talking about. I was like, what are you talking about, bro? Like, I don't, I don't know. And they were like, well, you know, we're going to send you the clip, uh, review it. And then we want a statement on it. I said, what they said, we've already gotten one from Andrea. I said, well, what did Andrea say? He said, he, they said, Andrea said that he, you did not kick him and you did not try to kick him. I said, well, I mean, I echo that because I don't even remember the play. Now, I, at reviewing the play, I get knocked down on my back, right, with, with some viciousness. So as I fall back, Andrea is naturally now kind of over me. My legs come up. Now, no foul in the game, no technical in the game. And Andrea Bargnani says that I did not kick him. So I tell the league, I certainly did not try to kick him while I appreciate what you know, what you're saying, I think it's comical. Like everyone has told you the broadcast didn't mention it. It, it, it was, it was a non-factor all the way around. And I'm here to tell you definitively, if, if you're not clear on it right now, that I did not try to kick him. If I'm laying under a man and I try to kick him and I'm going to connect, they suspended me. Do you know why they suspended me? Why did they suspend you? It was basically my reputation. It was the year after the incident with Kobe. And they told me that they couldn't be sure that I did not try to kick him in the testicles. And so for that reason, they were going to suspend me. So what you're saying is and that's, it's always that's been the like bullshit that. It's always, that you deal with. It's always been like that. It's not, it's not, this isn't a new thing, the reputation thing. This is a, this is, this is tried and true is what you're saying. And, Yo, which and, think, and that shit was, it was like 40 racks, bro. Like that was a lot of bread. That was a game check. Fuck. And that's like, you know, and, so like they've always been on that bullshit. And I think that's whack. And I do, I do think that that is whack in general, right? Like you, you, um, you know, I'm thinking even about the, uh, and I want to talk about the differences between the James Harden and then the Joel Embiid in a second. But like, that's one of the things that was kind of weird about the Draymond incident, right? Not to say and why he got suspended. It was a suspendable so Fitz, he stomped on someone, right? Like, it, it is what it is. But yeah. to put in the statement, this is for the last seven years worth of what you've done, is, is, whack, is, is whack to me. It's whack. But it is whack. It's, it's whack. It's, it it's whack. Because you could just say, he, he stomped somebody in the chest. He's suspended for that. That's what we it is. We will not tolerate stomping on chest. Boom. Boom. There we go. That's it. It's tried and true. It's fine. But again, and Again, I would agree. I'm not lobbying Listen, for as anything. soon as you saw that Draymond joint, you was like, okay, it's, he's probably going to get suspended for doing that shit. He got ejected. The, he, that's a suspendable offense for sure. But you ain't got to say the, the the past transgressions. This this is fine. This is enough. No, straight up. Now, I, I got on Bay Radio the other day and said just that. And they were like, should he get suspended? Obviously, I know Who'd what you, you guys want me to say. Who'd but you get I'm on like, with? I don't remember, bro. You got to strike that because I don't remember their names. <laughs> Did you go on with uh, I the don't morning, know. like with Bonte and them motherfuckers, or no? No, this Bonte was on. Hill? This was in the afternoon. Nah, nah, this oh, is okay. some afternoon show. They called me like six fifteen, but anyway, um, scrap that. 
What was I going to say? Yeah, no, I got on Bay Radio the other day. Obviously, they're asking me about the suspension. And do I think he should be suspended? I know where you want me to go with that, but I, I can't help but say, yes, he should be suspended because, you know, you stomped on someone's chest. The same way when, when Kobe and my stuff happened and I was suspended, like I wasn't crying about that. Like that was <laughs> like, that is a suspendable offense. I'm not lobbying to not be suspended. Um, the ones that kind of get me are, are, are the, but so again, sitting there watching the Brooklyn game um, against Philly. And again, uh, I'm not lobbying for anything to happen in, in, in like in post, but uh, you got a, someone that kicks someone. Dude, that Joel play was insane. It was egregious. It was ridiculous. Uh, it was all of it. And I don't, it was all of it. I don't care what's going on around. This is what I heard all the time. Well, you know, Nick Claxton is standing over him and, and damn, DeMontis Sabonis was holding on to Draymond Green's ankle. Like, yeah. if, if Joel like Embiid has a right to or kick something. Nick Claxton, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like if, if Joel Embiid has a right to click, kick Nick Claxton because he's standing over him, Draymond has a right to stomp on Sabonis for trying to tackle him. Can we, I mean, it's, it seems like common sense to me. I don't understand. All, listen, this is this all we're saying right now, and this is, I know this is what you're saying because I've potted with you for three years. All you want and all players want is just a level of consistency. If you just suspend, if you suspend him, then I get it for sure. I understand. If you suspend Joel Embiid, it's like he deserved to be suspended for that, right? Especially like he didn't even get ejected. He didn't even get touched. It was like, oh, okay, well, that that's what happened. It's fine. No, I, you, we could have saved the segment because that's all I'm talking about is consistency. And I'm not even necessarily talking about suspension because you could then say to me, hey, man, like, you could rationalize, but definitely kicked out of the game for that, man. We're going, he's going to play the rest of the game. And then Nick Claxton's getting kicked out for taunting. Yeah. I'm not even a Nets fan, but come on, bro. That was insane. That was insane. Yeah. So, so thanks for letting me get my rant off. I appreciate that. And I think because of, 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 of that incident that I had, like I'm super, I'm super sensitive to the, to the, like um uh this non-intentional um some things happen in basketball games and i don't know why this is so hard for people to understand media members refs that things happen man we're moving around at full speed um yeah. trying to trying to put bodies in position to do certain things like sometimes things happen and and you couldn't in a million tries connect the way you did on that play because it, it, you didn't do it on purpose. It was just by chance. And, and, and on those, I think they need to be better about, I agree with James Harden and I don't always agree with James Harden, but you can't be kicking people out of huge playoff games for things. Not like that. I disagree with that. Cause I mean, like we all know that the Sixers are going to are and will probably just, I mean, it's going to, they're going to handle the series. It's over. Like they're going to handle the series, but it's say if it's like a, conference finals game dude or a con like where the pressure is really on and something as ticky tack as that and you're like no nah, you get the fuck out of here that's that's not that's not cool you know it's just not, not cool. cool um not cool. let's get into the games uh tonight uh game four bucks heat Giannis is set to play heat are up two one in the series been really, really mm -hmm. impressive, right? Game four in Miami. What are you looking for, and who's going to win this? Win this game. 
I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking to see how Giannis is moving. I'm looking to see what percentage of Giannis I'm getting. Um, if Giannis is 75% or better, uh, by, I thought I heard that he might've been able to play in game three, but they were taking precautions, which leads me to believe that he should be 75% or better. But if he's around 80, 85%, I got the bucks. I think he does things for their team offensively that will free up a lot of other people. And defensively, he cleans up a lot of, a lot of, a lot of messes and that, that added length, I think, um, it, it's going to be a problem. And, and, you know, the heat, another tragic, you know, Victor Oladipo, you hate to see that another knee injury that sucks, but, um, yeah, I'm going with the, I'm going with the bucks. I'm going with the bucks as well, but this is just something to keep an eye out on with Giannis, especially as he's playing this, this series looks like it's going to be a long series. And as the playoffs continue to, uh, just manifest and, and and to keep going as we keep going deep into the playoffs. There's something to look at, man, because man, that that's like he has a back. That shit doesn't go away, as you know, Roger. That's something that needs to be maintained and that needs to be um consistently uh monitored. So um we'll see what happens on that. I'm that's tough, man. Like if he's gonna continue to have back issues throughout the postseason, that's that's just that's tough for the Bucks, man. And that's tough for their title chances because they're not winning shit without Giannis. Point blank. No matter how good and how many good games that they have had, they're not winning anything without Giannis. Fully. That'd be that's facts. That's facts. And and you know, I would take it a step further and say they're not they're not winning anything without a a a a very close to healthy Giannis. Like you, you might be able to get through the heat. I might tell you, you know, 80% of Giannis is good enough against the heat. As you advance, you know, in the playoffs, 75 to 80% of Giannis isn't going to be good enough against some of those teams. Shit. Damn sure ain't going to be good against the Celtics. Tell you that much right now. <laughs> um, let's go to a game that we've been waiting for. Lakers Grizzlies. We hadn't talked about it over the weekends. Lakers Grizzlies game four. Um, I guess my first question to you about this game is Lakers handled the Grizzlies throughout this whole, the whole game three. And I know you guys are going to say, well, you know, um, John Morant, you know, had a great game. Well, well, by and large, the Lakers had never lost control of that game. But what I, I did bring up John Morant, how much carryover will that performance have going into game four, if at all? And who wins this game? Um, I, I do think there's some carryover from, from Jaws performance specifically. Um, you know, there is, you know, you get some rhythm and some flow and some confidence cooking. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see Dylan Brooks was, was, was bad coming out with that, with that crowd against him. I've been the villain in the Staples Center where they booed me in, in warmups, you know, where there's a bunch of people there even before, the teams come out for layup lines and they're booing me in my actual, you know, shooting routine with the coach. I've been that guy. That's, that's not always easy. Um, I think also, I'm going like, to take the people, Lakers. I don't think the people Lakers, realize though. I don't think people realize like how like turnt staples can be. A crypto now can be. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, I know LA gets the, the reputation of just vibes and it's Hollywood and people don't really get, nah, nah, <laughs> The Lakers have one of the best crowds in the league for a reason, and they're they're going to boo the shit out of you, and they don't fuck with you. They do, and it's a, but it's here's here's the little difference for me. Like some teams and crowds are are kind of always rowdy, and they just take it up a level. Like Staples has the ability to not always be that, even it though the fans are great. Too. Like 
Yeah, it could be, it could be, it could just be a great crowd, and they're not always like, but when they want to, when they want to get turned and be on top of you, oh, they could, they could get that way in, in real quick. And, and that's not, <laughs> I mean, it's interesting, man. Usually, you know, I don't know. I, I kind of enjoyed that personally. Like that, that I kind of enjoyed that. He, he didn't seem to like that a lot. <laughs> also, and he got G-checked by LeBron and didn't respond after that. Like, LeBron went, LeBron don't do that shit. LeBron doesn't fucking go in the middle of a series to go G-check someone. He went, was like, nah, man, listen, this is what it is. And there was a small smirk from Dylan. And then after that, he was gone. He was, I didn't see him for the rest of the night. That was not a great start to the <laughs> It's not a good look. I think, I think, Josh, I, I, look, the Lakers, if the Lakers come out and it would be hard to replicate what they came out with in game three, right? It would be hard to, to, to summon that again because a lot of that's organic coming off of all of the shit that was the Dylan Brooks situation and you're coming back to the crib and the whole crowd and everybody. But the way they physically took the game to Memphis, I'm not just talking about AD or, or, or you know LeBron necessarily, you know you you were coming downhill. Austin Reeves, the first few plays of the game, were was running up people's chests for layups. Like they were they were on something. And so if the Lakers come out with that, I'm taking the Lakers. Now I'm not. I don't think that they can summon that same level, but I do think I like the Lakers at home tonight. I think the crowd's going to be rocking. I think Dylan Brooks. If you thought they forgot about it, you're wrong. They're going to be Here's right back at your ass again Dylan tonight. Brooks. Dylan Brooks not only like disrespected LeBron, he down the line has disrespected the whole team because they have taken that as a front. They have taken they have been offended <laughs> on behalf of LeBron James. So, and this is the thing: like Dylan Brooks isn't like he's not as his game isn't as good to be able to like justify the shit that he talks is, is basically what I'm saying. Right. So it's not like he's going to respond with like seven threes in a row or like he doesn't have jaws ability, right? Like he can't just back it up with a 45 point performance. So then you just, so then you just see other defenders, Vandos getting in there, like get the fuck out the way, right? Like fucking Austin Reeves, like move out the way. Like they, they have no respect for him and they're pissed off at him and they want to annihilate him. It's not a recipe for good things. And it's, it's, it's trickling to the rest of the roster. This is why we said, Dylan, chill, relax. Don't do this. This is not right. good. Don't do it. Yeah, go All that to say, the go Lakers are going to win game four. I think the Lakers are going to win game four, too. Um, well, you know, the, Memphis is lighting ass right now, missing two post players, right? And so... I don't think it would have made a if, difference, if though, that, Ra. No, but it does. It does make a difference. It definitely makes a difference because you know why when, I said, don't when, think it would have made a difference. You know why I say that? Why? Because of what Dylan Brooks said. If those two bigs were on the floor, right, and Dylan Brooks still did all that stuff, I still believe that the the Lakers would have summoned enough energy to have a performance like that in Game Three. Well, it it might not have mattered overall big picture in Game Three specifically, but it certainly matters, and it would have. It would have. You don't just pummel them the way you pummeled them physically in game three when you add two bigs to the floor, especially a mm -hmm. Steven Adams level um, physical player, right? Like, so Steven you're not going to just pummel them. And that's, yeah. And so, you know, that's where I think the if the Lakers, if the Lakers are determined and they're playing, see what they played with in game three was just this razor sharp, 
no wasted movement efficiency where they were getting it and they were downhill on your ass. Like they were, they weren't dilly dallying and messing around and they were, they were on top of the rim. And so if they're going to play like that in the absence of those bigs for Memphis, I, I think the Lakers are going to, the Lakers will roll them tonight. Not I mean, not roll them, but they'll win again. Um, it's just, it's just going to see, it's going to, again, this series now turns to what every other night. Yep. So the Lakers, the Lakers need this one in a way that I don't think Memphis necessarily does. The Lakers need this one. All right. We're going to stay in LA. Okay. It's, it's time to pour out a little liquor for our guys. One last time. I'm going to bring in Kiggity Kerm out of the motherfucking cut. We're going to talk about <laughs> snowfall. Sneezing finale. How you doing, Kerm? Uh, shit, man. <laughs> We're going to talk about <laughs> the end of this show. Um, I've been better. I've been better, but always happy to kick it with y'all, even when it feels like a funeral. Uh, <laughs> but let, let's get into this last episode of Snowfall. Um, so in the finale, we see Franklin, you know, at his most desperate as he turns over every rock in an attempt to get his millions back. When these attempts fail, he kind of descends into madness and alcoholism. So, uh, before we even, you know, really get into things, how'd you guys feel about the finale? I didn't love it. Why didn't you love it? I'm just, I didn't love it, man. I didn't like to see my boy turn into a fiend right before my eyes, man. And that's what, Oh yeah. I mean, it was, it was cool, I guess, but I didn't love it. I didn't, I wasn't left feeling like, yeah, man, that's, you know, it just didn't end the way I would have liked for it to end, I guess. Like I could, I'm not getting into, I'm not a fucking producer or a cinematologist or any of that shit. I, I didn't love it. It didn't leave me feeling like, fuck yeah. Okay. Yeah. I say, I will, I will say this. I loved it. Was that like cinematologist? From, it, it was. It was. It was cinematolo- <laughs> cinematographer. It was cinema, Raja. It was fucking cinema. In terms of like how they ended it, fucking the boys in the hood reference and the tribute to John Singleton, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, I mean, it was great. That that part was great. I was teary eyed, fucking watching that part. I was like, oh my god, look at the callback. Did you see the callback? Did you see the callback? That was me watching that, right? But in terms of how Franklin went out, that was sad. And it speaks to a lot of different things. One, in that it, I think it, I think it was appropriate because I, I don't think it would have done that era of Los Angeles justice if he would have just weighed like it, if he would have got out of that unscathed, right? Like it just it was just a, right. a lot of people, a lot of people didn't get through it unscathed, and a lot of people uh, ended up like Franklin, right, or all the way up. But their ego, because that's what it was, man. It was his ego. There were a lot of outs for Franklin to to make this whole right like even um his boo-boo veronique shout out to you like trying to get him to sell off his stake and they'd be fine right like they would be fine with what they did but he was so paranoid like focus to get his bread back that he lost everything he lost his family he lost his mother he lost he he lost his connect like all in the pursuit of everyone telling him and it's both for Franklin and Teddy. Everybody telling them, you got to give it up. You got to get up. You'll get it unscathed. Both of them lost what they actually really wanted in life. And honestly, that was that's kind of how it was supposed to happen. They shouldn't have been rewarded for the shit that they did. 
and well, the choices that they made, not the shit they did, because everybody got blood on their hands, but the the choices that they made at the end, they shouldn't be rewarded for that. Ain't nobody come here for no goddamn sermon, motherfucker. Ain't nobody ask you to Kelly Blue Book that shit. <laughs> Hey, but everything Logan said kind of leads into my next point. Um, well, we got to kind of talk about the people in Franklin's life and kind of where things went these last two episodes. So uh, obviously we already know Jerome and Louie, they turned on, on Franklin and wanted to, you know, get a bigger piece of the pie. They did. Sissy shot Teddy. Which G like shit. I understand why she shot Teddy. Like I get it, it's G shit. Like I'm not, I'm not arguing that. But that was also Frank Franklin's last like solidified yeah, chance at his millions. His own mother does that to him. Leon uh, 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 refuses to give him any of his three million to aid Franklin in getting back on his feet. Which I mean, Franklin was a little aggressive at how he asked for the money, but still refused to give him any of his money. With the rationale being that you know. Sissy didn't want Franklin to to have that dirty money, and so why is he gonna to step in and give it to him? I mean, whatever. Veronique initially goes behind Franklin's back and attempts to sell his stakes, and then after Franklin does put his hands on her, not cool. She takes the kid and the money and runs. So did Man Boy have a a, a point when he said everyone would turn on Franklin? Or did Franklin push everyone away in pursuit of greed? Mm. What do you guys think? I'm going to start this off. I think Franklin pushed everyone away, bro. I think people still could... People wanted to help him. And mm-hmm. if you reference my sermon earlier on this segment, I lay it all out <laughs> of why he pushed yeah, people you away and how he did it. Very articulately. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the fact that he pushed people away. I don't think that people were, were turning on him necessarily. I think People loved him, but they were like, I can't, we can't. Every time people were like trying to give benefit of the doubt to Franklin, he would say, you know what? I'm going to cook crack in the basement. You know what? I'm going to go put my hands <laughs> on my queen. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to uh, continue to get this bread. There was no, nothing. And we said this in previous uh, iterations of this segment that, yo, that's going to get him fucked up. That's going to get him fucked up. Why is he doing this? He's not acting like someone that wants to get out of the game. He's cooking crack. He's cooking crack. What are we doing? That's that's where we are. He pushed everyone away, Roger. Yeah, I don't see it all the way like that. He pushed some people away. <laughs> he pushed some people away. And now, nah, and his choices, you know, obviously, you know, led to a lot of it. But there were, you know, again, hey, look, kill Teddy. I got no problem with you killing Teddy. Do it seven seconds later. <laughs> like what the fuck <laughs> I mean you know what I mean like okay you don't want me to have this 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 filthy money that quite frankly I've earned whether we like the way I earned it or not I did earn it right you don't want me to have it but you're gonna kill him before he can give it to me and now I'm a I'm a, a junkie like you rather that for me I don't know about that and then as far as as far as Leon goes like I can dig it but look, if that's if that's my man, I'm gonna tell you right now, Logan. If anything ever happens, bro, and and your mama is like, hey, we don't want Logan having, and you come to me and you're like, yo, bro, I need it. You got it. I don't give a damn. That's real. That's real. I'm not I'm not about to watch you sitting there with brown teeth sneaking out the back of a locked up house. You can you got you got what you need, my man. Let's try to get you back on your feet. And I didn't I didn't just didn't that's love real. the way that played out. Now that's what it is. That's real. He could have gave him five hundred. And been fine. Uh, dude, listen. Could have given fine. I mean, just fire. bro, brush your Something. teeth. Take this and go brush your mouth. <laughs> hey, Franklin was out here <laughs> s- stuck in the game. Bro. He was sick. 
Hey, oh, quick question though, Roger. Quick question. Quick question. Yeah. If, if you needed bread from me, then I think I know the answer to this, but we need the real ones to hear the answer from this, right? If you needed bread from me, right, and I didn't give it to you, and you out here strung out, and I'm coming to your house, you're not going to be that nice to me, are you? What? And I'm coming what? to your house three years later. You ain't coming. You ain't going to be that nice and walking and shit and just being like, remember the good old days when we did the real ones pod and we were all good and shit. Walk it. May, hey, maybe With your he's teeth all evolved. fucked up. Well, how would you be? <laughs> talk, talk about, hey, Logan, I'm proud of you, bro. I, I know you left me here like this, but I'm proud of you. <laughs> hey, oh, at that point though he was so he was so like far gone at that point like I don't know if you want to put that on like a mental strain on who knows what he had been through in those years but I don't know if Franklin was even fully there at that point so I don't know if the kindness is from the bottom of his heart or if it's the, the bottle speaking at that point if we're being real that boy Franklin reminded me of Gator from from uh from uh what was what was uh <laughs> Samuel L. played Gator in what was it? Jungle Fever was that? The, was that the movie? Mm. Yeah, remember when he was strung out? He was he was cracked out. Like Franklin gave me straight Gator vibes. Um, I don't know, man. Like I got it when he said, "I'm finally free." Like I understood. I understood. Like that was. I just didn't want to see it end like that for old Franklin Saint. You know. Yeah. What's the next question, man? Where we at, dog? Any thoughts on how we wrapped up Louie's story or Oso's story? Louie, we pretty much see her. She's pretty much on the run from the FBI. We don't get any real finality with that. She seems to not get caught, but like, it doesn't seem like she lives another day. That's all we really get there. And Oso seems to be, you know, training wrestlers in a gym and seems he's going to be getting back with his family at some point. Any thoughts there? I, I like, I like the Oso. I like the mm -hmm. Oso. Um, and I like Leon out. I, I did not like I did not like Louis walking out of that unscathed. I'm just gonna keep it a buck. I did not appreciate that. <laughs> I did not appreciate that. <laughs> hey, no, no, no. Hey, does hey. that does that make me a bad person? I did not. No, they I, got I, her. I don't that, mean no, like, here's the thing, though, Ra. They didn't get her. I huh. I'll put money on it. She got caught a few years later. Bro. Okay, well, they, she got caught. She got caught. All right. She got mm -hmm. caught. But Let me get a little follow up episode then. I need to see Let's that get a little reunion joint. <laughs> I think I think I think Lou with Lou in Louie's case, she'll never be whole, bro. She already lost her 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 husband because of her bullshit. She's gonna have to live with that, you know. And she killed a cop. That's fair. She killed a cop, bro. Like she's 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 definitely going to get her due. But you see how scared she was and the look on her face that none of this shit was worth it. That is that is a, at this point that is enough for that her was her sentence point. that was her sentence that's her sentence she's fucked she's fucking in a in a in a barn <laughs> scared of her life dude she can't that's no way to live um and also in case you that's ain't know so um i was a little scared though because i don't i want she said i don't, I just don't want Oso to get caught bro because i think that he's gonna I, my first instinct was oh they're in north carolina he's gonna go back to north carolina and somehow he's gonna get arrested and I'm like, I don't want that to happen. That's what I was scared about. Oso's my fave. Just go back to go back to wherever he's from. I just want the family to just go where Oso is, and then it'll be fine. Like, don't go to North Carolina. Come, come to me, and let's have a big family. We'll we'll it just lay low forever. Let's do that. Um, that's that. Those are my thoughts on those two peeps. Mm -hmm. All right, we'll get to the wrap up here. So, how did you guys leave the show 
like thinking about Franklin? Like, is there a feeling of sympathy there after all these loss? Does it feel like comeuppance? Because, I mean, he killed a lot of niggas, man. He he did he destroyed his community. There was a lot of destruction in that. But somehow, for me, when I left, I still felt this little bit of sorrow for him. So I wanted to check in with y'all to see where's the where's the moral gauge when leaving Snowfall with Franklin. I'm conflicted. I am because I do. I'm telling you, I do feel some sympathy for Franklin. I on on different levels, but but uh, I think at the beginning of the show, like he was a really bright like bright future type of young man, right? That got caught up in that shit. And it didn't seem to be like his his desire to start doing that. You know what I mean? Like he kind of mm-hmm. got caught up in it in a way that I'm not absolving him of responsibility, but I can feel for the opportunity lost for a young man who seemed to have had a really bright future, right? And yeah, he did, man. He was pushing a lot of shit, doing a lot of nasty, dirty stuff. So you know, I can understand that, but at, at the end of the day, I think I I would have I would have liked you know how I would have liked for it to end like I real talk. He could have lost everything, and and you know not reaped any of the benefits of that, but maybe have been in a community like hipping the younger generation to the to the to the to the pitfalls of a lifestyle like that. Like you know what I mean, like at a boys and girls club or an outreach center or something like that, talking about hey young fella, let me let me tell you why not to do that. He ain't had yeah. to have a brown teeth in the bottle. Yeah. But I will say the brown teeth in the bottle, I think it adds a little bit of realisticness to the storylines and the fact like we see in the first episode of the show ever, we see Alton as an alcoholic. You just kind of walk in the streets. And I feel like when you go through such a a roller coaster of a lifestyle that Franklin did, and you're already probably predisposed to addiction to a certain extent he was yeah. kind of pushed to that yeah like i i don't know if this is the it's not the most fun ending but i feel like it's more realistic than seeing you know him kind of being the wiser man but i don't know those are just my thoughts what are you thinking logan i agree with you on that one man especially you know the places like i've seen i'm sure all three of us on this thing have seen franklin's in our life bro we've seen we've seen that around where um, and not even just in the drug game, but just like overall where there's this big high because they are talented and they do what they do and they they have this they have this this meteoric rise on whatever they do. And then because they don't have whatever they need to to sustain it, it's just as fast going back down, right? And mm-hmm. at a point in time, Franklin, it wasn't about the money for him. It was about Honestly, I don't even know what it was about. I, that's the big thing that I had in this final episode is like, what are you fighting for, bro? Like, you're fighting for the bread, but you have enough bread no matter what. Even after your mama killed your plug, you still had enough be- bread to survive. And that's something that well, Leon, we all, all we wanted him to have is just Africa and just be able to survive. And he, shout out to Leon who won the whole season and won the show, right? Who was able to finally, before, like, finally made the right choice. And time where Franklin went all the times he had to make the right choice he just didn't do it and those are the consequences so I feel that this is an appropriate ending for a guy that honestly brilliant person but just didn't have what it took to sustain that and that's something that that it's not about the ups and downs it's about sustaining a certain a certain trajectory and he just couldn't do that for whatever reason that boy was out there fighting for control and greed, bro. Like that's what he was fighting for at the end, right? It was that's all it was about. 
Yep. Him you and know. Teddy were fighting for the same thing from two different sides. And I still didn't like, still ain't like to see my boy like that. <laughs> and to close out, you know, where does Snowfall rank in the drug empire television pantheon? You know, we got shows like The Wire. You obviously got The Sopranos, Breaking Bad, uh, Power. I don't know. I'm not saying Power is in that top tier with those other three. I was just thinking of a show. Power's that came top to mind. tier somewhere for sure. I love Power, but you can't you can't compare that to the Wire. No, That's just different art right there. But, but to, where to, where do you how do you see Snowfall? I think I put it top five. I don't put it. It's not it's not above the Wire. I don't think it's above Breaking Bad necessarily. Um, it's not about Sopranos. I think it's right there, but it is top five. I think I put it in the pantheon of top five for sure. It would, with, with those just also, it, it told a story that we hadn't really gotten a chance to, to hear. We hadn't really seen a, a competent, great story about what crack and the crack epidemic did to America and Los Angeles in particular. And the wire kind of did that, but it was just so it was like 10 years after the crack epidemic, right? We didn't get like a full history lesson on it. And I think, I think, um, snowfall did a great job of that. Yeah, I got it. I mean, it's probably top three for me. I don't know. I, I kind of put the Sopranos in a different bucket, um, a different category, but not definitely not the wire and breaking bad. Um, but right, right after that off the top of my dome I think for me um yeah that's why I have top three uh this has been a blast guys this was this has been a blast for real man I'm gonna I'm gonna cherish these snowfall talks bro because damn what a fucking show <laughs> what a fucking great show dude <laughs> thanks Kerm appreciate you pal um that has been our Monday edition of Real Ones. We're in the playoffs, man. We're in the thing of this shit, man. We will see you guys on Thursday. Talk soon. Tap in. Holla all the shit. Bye.